second Sunday of Advent, and the candle that we light today is the peace candle. The scripture that goes along with that is Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, Mary's song. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now I was thinking about what does the peace candle mean to me? I was asked to uh, say something about it, and it's like all week. Things have been going in and out of my head. And so, as of this moment, I'm praying that God's going to give me the right words. Before I became a Christian, I was a very, believe it or not, I was a very insecure person. I didn't like myself. I kind of was very meek, would bow my head, wouldn't look anybody in the eyes. I didn't think I was worth anything. And, excuse me, when I became a Christian and I let Jesus be my Lord and Savior, I found out I'm special. Every one of us is special. We do have worth. And so that gives me peace to know that I don't have to struggle to do all kinds of stuff to make people like me because it doesn't matter as long as Jesus Our scripture this morning is uh, in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 45. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, 
for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm going to ask if the children would come up this morning and sit in the front row. Come on. We're a little bit not sure because we've changed seats. We're trying this because I realize sometimes that the children that are sitting in the back can't always see what I'm doing, and I can't always hear them when they respond. So we're going to try having them come up and sit in the front row like we used to do years ago. So good morning. How's everybody today? Good. That's what, huh? What the, I know. There's something in my basket. Not what I thought was in my basket. It was a surprise. Do you ever get a surprise? Yeah? What, what do you do when you get a happy surprise? You do what? You be nice. You're nice when you get a happy surprise, right? Um, when, we get, when we get happy surprises, it makes us smile. I see a lot of smiles out there. What else happens when you have a happy surprise? You clap your hands sometimes because you get a happy surprise. Oh, yay, we're getting a raise. Or, oh, yay, we have, you know, my favorite dinner. Right? Keep your hands to your sides. I don't know. When I get excited, I want to go, yay, and raise my hands up. Levantos mis manos. I raise my hands. Right? What else do we do when we get a happy surprise? Hmm? Tell, people about it. tell people about it. We tell people, hey, did you know? We sometimes shout it out loud. Guess what, world? Right? All kinds of things. And sometimes, um, sometimes when I watch football, which I don't do all the time, but sometimes after they score a touchdown, what do they do? They spike the ball and they do their happy dance, right? Yeah. So a lot of things happen. Sometimes we say we jump for joy. You ever jump for joy? Can you jump for joy? I don't think you can. You can jump for joy. Okay. So, and sometimes we sing, like Mary sang in our scripture, and sometimes we make music. 
I was listening to a lot of Christmas music lately, and one thing that I've noticed that's common in a lot of them is jingle bells. Bells. Bells are mentioned a lot in our songs, ringing out the bells. And we ring bells for joyous occasions, like calling, coming to church. We got them on our pews. We have, uh, when somebody gets married, they ring bells. And I was listening to a lot of Christmas songs about bells. And bells are kind of fun. And when we're happy, we can ring bells too. Yeah, right? Yep. What? Uh. <laughs> Jingle bells. But you know what? The thing is, when we're excited and happy, we have lots of things that we can do to show how excited we are. And the part of it all is all part of praise. All right, enough. Uh, is to remember to praise. Praise God. Because those happy surprises are from God. God gives us all good things all the time. So let's ring out bells. Let's ring out our voices in song. Let's do our happy dance. Raise our hands and say, thank you, God, for the wonderful things you've given us. We know that all things are good. Sometimes we may not like them, but they're all good. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the wonderful gifts you've given us, all the wonderful surprises. Help us to remember to show that love, show that joy, show that praise, whether it's doing a happy dance or raising our hands or ringing a bell or singing a song or shouting or jumping for joy, because all of it gives you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you will help us to experience your peace in a fresh way today. Please help me to speak clearly. Help us all to have our hearts and minds open to you and your spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. So are there some reasons that it might be a little hard to feel peaceful right now? <laughs> Anyone want to name some? Yeah, so much turmoil in the world. <clears throat> Probably some of us also have some stuff going on in our personal lives that make it hard to be peaceful. Usually all of us have that at some point or other. Um, so there's, there's unrest out there, and there's unrest in our communities, and there's unrest in here, and it's really hard to think about peace. Um, we talked about peace not that long ago when we were studying Philippians, but the, today we're going to talk about it some more um, and see if we can unpack it a little bit further. We talked about in Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul writes about the peace that passes all understanding which guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So hopefully today we'll at least start to get there. Today's character, we're doing this series on cast of characters, right? And last week was John the Baptizer, and this week it's Mary. And she had some good reasons not to be peaceful. <laughs> um, not just herself. She lived in an occupied territory. She was in Galilee, in Nazareth, and that was a part of Galilee, which was part of Israel, at the time, Israel was kind of broken up into two sections with Samaria in the middle. 
And so she was in the northern part. And that whole thing and all the countries all around were being ruled over by Rome. So they were being, they were an occupied nation. Um, there was the constant stress that always goes with being an occupied nation of not being free of some other people group that is not invested in your people group calling the shots and watching you and keeping you in line. We know that Roman soldiers were dispersed all over the Roman Empire, and so you were, you go out of your house and there's probably a Roman there, and like having a cop that doesn't have your best interests in heart, at heart watching you. Some of us, in the, some people in this country have that experience. She was in a land that did not know, even if there wasn't uprising, and there was often uprisings, uh, because there were always people trying to throw off the Roman rule, right? Um, but she was always, she was among a people that was always under constant stress and threat of not living up to what their Roman overlords wanted. And also, Mary herself was being invited into a great honor which was going to look like a gigantic scandal to all the humans around her. It's really hard to do something that you know is the right thing when it looks like the wrong thing and everybody around you thinks you're doing it wrong. It's great if you can not care what other people think, but I don't know too many people that can really not care what other people think. And so she had every reason not to feel peaceful. Let's set the scene here. Gabriel, we, we saw Gabriel last week and how he got a little huffy with Zechariah and told him to shut up for nine months. Um, <laughs> what's that? Under no uncertain terms. Yeah, under no uncertain terms. You will not be able to speak until this baby I told you about is born. Um, by now, this is six months later, so Elizabeth has been pregnant for six months, and then Gabriel comes back, and this time he goes to Mary, and he's had a little chance to work on his delivery. <laughs> so he, he comes to her and he makes another surprising announcement, but it goes a little differently. Mary also has questions for Gabriel, like Zechariah did, but Gabriel in this case actually answers her questions. And it's possible that the reason Gabriel responds differently to Mary is because there's a difference between the kinds of questions. Zechariah asks, how can I be sure, oh angel, <laughs> that what you told me is going to happen is going to happen? How can I be sure? Versus what Mary says, which is, how will this happen? She's not questioning whether it will happen. She's asking how it's going to happen. So it's a possible that Gabriel's response is different because the questions are a little different, but also it's possible Gabriel got a tutorial in the meantime. Anyway, when he shows up and first opens his mouth, Mary does not experience the peace that passes all understanding. In spite of the fact that Gabriel, once again, says something really nice as an opener. He says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. 
But Luke tells us Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Last week we talked about how God wants to merge the heavens and the earth. That's his game plan. That's, that's the end game. He wants the heavens and the earth to be merged together so we are one in him and able to communicate. But here, last week we saw some cultural miscommunications between the heavens and the earth, and here we see a little bit more of this. Gabriel says something great, and Mary is greatly troubled. What kind of greeting is this? Gabriel hasn't even told her the point of his visit. He just said, your favorite, God is with you. Why do you think that troubles her? Maybe she doesn't feel highly favored. That's true. If you don't feel like you're worth a whole lot, and someone tells you you're worth a whole lot, sometimes it takes a while to, to sink in, so that's possible. But I think the other reason is that Mary has a good sense of what the Bible often calls the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord, a lot of times we try to make that sound better and actually more accurate by saying we're not talking about, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid, we're talking about respect. And that is correct, um, but I think there's, there's value in, a, in acknowledging that there can be a little bit of actual fear because God is love and perfect love casts out fear, but, but he's also something completely different than we are, that we will, we will never be him. And he sees things differently than we possibly can, and he does things differently, and so that can be a little scary. There is a, in verse 2 of the hymn Amazing Grace, I love that the choir sang amazing, part of Amazing Grace for uh, meditation, there, it starts with a line, it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. Only by the grace of God can I have a clear assessment of who I am. And not just who I am, but who I am in relation to God. And when I know who I am in relation to God, I have a better idea of who I am in relation to everybody else. But I can't figure that out myself. It is only by God's grace that I can start to see that. Mary understands this kind of grace. She understands that God is God and she is not and here is an angel that's telling her that God is with her. So she knows, because God is God and she is not, that if God is with her, something extra is expected of her. I think that's why when Gabriel says, God is with you, she's like, oh, really? <laughs> But the next line in that same verse of Amazing Grace was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Amen. Grace opens the way back to relationship. Actually, any relationship. Every relationship needs grace. Because we all screw up and if there was no grace, we can't be in relationship with anybody. But we especially need grace to open up our relationship back to God. When I have the grace from God to truly see my own standing, who I really am, 
God also provides the grace to stop being afraid. I think there are a lot of churches that are out there that, and I don't think this is intentional, but focus on either "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear," or "And grace my fears relieved," and don't put them together. We need the grace to know that we are sinners and we are incomplete and we are messed up. But we also need the grace to know that once we have acknowledged that and understand that about ourselves, God loves us and will call us back. And we don't have to get ourselves all cleaned up first. He will do that. Grace can relieve our fears. God provides the grace to stop being afraid, and that is to have peace. The story is still kind of funny. Gabriel greets Mary, and Mary's afraid, and Gabriel says, don't worry, you're going to have a kid by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be God's son in the line of David, and he's always going to be king. I feel like if an angel came to me and said that, I would not stop being afraid. (laughs) I would be a little bit more afraid. Um, And actually, if you've read my book, Favored One, that is how I understand Mary to respond. She she does have her fears relieved, but then she continues to cycle through some stress about this. But it does appear that right here, God's grace relieves Mary's fears because she is no longer described as afraid, just practical. I have never done the thing, she's saying, that is required for a woman to have a baby. That's, I haven't done that, so how is this going to work exactly? And Gabriel tells her, the Holy Spirit will conceive the baby in her, and she consents to allow God to embody himself by using her body in this way. And then... Gabriel gives her a really helpful tip, and Mary does a really smart thing with it. Gabriel has told her that she has an older relative, Elizabeth, who we met last week, who's going to be the mother of John the Baptizer, and Gabriel says she's also going to have a miracle baby. He doesn't say that. He says she's in her sixth month of pregnancy, but Mary knows that's a miracle baby because Elizabeth is old, and she's never had kids before. This is another way that God's grace can relieve our fears and give us peace. God puts other people in our lives who get what we're going through in some way. They maybe don't have exactly the same experience, but they will have some experience that gives them the ability to understand where we are and help us through it. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul says, um, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort other people who are going through the same thing with the comfort that we have received from God. And this is sort of what God is, through Gabriel, allowing Mary to, to know about. There is nobody else in Mary's life who is going to be able to understand the situation she is in right now. Not one person at all. There's no one who, if she tells them what happens, who is not going to think either that she cheated on her fiancé, Joseph, or, frankly, that she was raped. No one is going to think 
anything different, no matter what she says. And there's no one else who, in her life who is going to believe that she is not being blasphemous. Blasphemy is super, super disrespect to God by kind of putting yourself in God's place. For her to say, if it weren't true, for her to say that the Holy Spirit was the one who got her pregnant is very blasphemous. But it is true. It's just that nobody could possibly believe it. But there is one person. There is another woman among the people of God having a miracle baby, and conveniently, she is related to Mary. So Mary goes to visit her. And the visit to Elizabeth and the not-yet-born John also brings peace because it reassures Mary of what the angel said and of what has happened to her. She would have very good reason to be like, did I just have some weird dream, some kind of crazy hallucination? Like, what? Is this even really true? Well, the Holy Spirit, who put the seed of Jesus into Mary's womb, shows up. Mary gets to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is there, and the unborn John is there, and the unborn Jesus is there, and the Holy Spirit is there. First, actually, this is important to note. The Holy Spirit, his, the Holy Spirit's main job in the Trinity, or one of them, is to reveal Jesus and glorify Jesus. And that is what the Holy Spirit does in this story. First, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to John. Neither of them are born. They are both inside of their mothers. And baby John leaps inside Elizabeth's womb. And babies do that, we know. He's already doing his job, though. John is already doing his job. He was prophesied that he was going to prepare the way of the Lord, and he's already doing it. And then the Holy Spirit allows Elizabeth to interpret what the leap meant. The Holy Spirit gives, us, gives some people the ability to interpret, and Elizabeth interprets this baby leap inside of her. She knows that her son is intended to herald the Messiah, and she realizes that that is what he's doing right now. Just like she praised God for taking away her own disgrace in the passage we read last week, this week she praises God by affirming Mary for believing God and consenting to God's work in her life. She says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sounds of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will would fulfill his promises to her. God has called Mary, and Mary has consented to the way that God has invited her to participate in bringing the kingdom of the heavens into the earth. And now God's Holy Spirit has confirmed that this is what's happening and has affirmed her and affirmed Elizabeth, and affirmed 
John and affirmed Jesus and all of their calls in the kingdom. When the Holy Spirit affirms us and what God has called us to do to bring his kingdom of the heavens into the earth, that contributes to our peace. But it also contributes to worldwide peace because that is what God is calling us to bring. You might have noticed in the passage that Bernice read, which is Mary's song of praise at Elizabeth's house, that she praises God for noticing her, practically a nobody, but God noticed her. But Mary is also describing in that same song, if you open it up and read it again and get home or whatever, she's describing worldwide kingdom of heaven shalom. Shalom that she by faith is declaring God will accomplish through his son who she is carrying. Interestingly, last week Gabriel told Zechariah about John and about what John would do. But Gabriel told Mary not what Jesus would do, but who Jesus was. And Mary is declaring what he will do. He will extend mercy to those who fear him, to those who trust him. He will overturn the proud. He will tear down oppressors from their places of authority. He will exalt nobody's two places of authority. He will satisfy the poor and needy, but send the rich away empty. And he will fulfill God's promise from long ago. Mary can make this bold declaration and praise out of her hope and her peace, which leads to joy. Joy is next week's topic. So, if you are sitting here and you have committed your life to Jesus, guess what? God has favored you. And something, and he has something that he wants you to do that will help. It doesn't have to be in a gigantic way like Mary's way. Usually it isn't that. Um, but he has something for you to do that will help bring the kingdoms, ki kingdom of the heavens to the earth while we wait for Jesus to return. What is that thing, do you think? You don't have to answer that. Just think about it. How is God inviting you to participate in welcoming his kingdom of the heavens on earth? Help us. Just think about it. And when you think that you hear it, it might not be today, but take that question with you. How is God inviting you to participate in welcoming his kingdom to the earth? Ask him. How are you inviting me to participate in welcoming your kingdom of the heavens on earth? And then ask yourself, do you consent like Mary did? That is the first step to peace. He might not tell you exactly how it will happen. Gabriel, Mary said, how will this happen? And Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. And that is kind of an answer. But we don't really know exactly how it happened, but for sure it happened because Mary said yes. When we say yes 
to what God is asking us to do, we are saying yes to something that will bring shalom. Even if it's in a small way, we're saying something yes to something that will bring shalom. Doesn't mean that that thing will be a smooth road all the time, or that we might not have a little bit of, what does it say? Mary was greatly troubled. That could happen too. But when we say yes to what God is truly asking us to do, that is the first step to peace. If you are, if you believe God has said something to you, and you have said yes, but you do not feel that peace, you do not have, even if it's, let's, it's hard to describe. You can be stressed about something, you can be nervous about something, and still know for sure that it's the right thing to do. Like, I wasn't, I tell you this all the time, I wasn't planning to be a pastor here. I said no the first time I was invited to apply. Did God let me keep saying no? No, he did not. <laughs> was I nervous to get started? Absolutely yes. Do I still know what I'm doing? Probably not. <laughs> but it was clear to me after praying that God wanted me here for now. And so I had to keep saying yes. Is it always easy? No. But I am at peace even when there's stuff or even when it's hard, or even when I'm confused, I am at peace about this call for this time. This is, if, if you are, if you have said yes to God about something, but you do not feel that sense of peace underlying the thing, and you're still going back and forth, and you still haven't landed Try to rediscern what God is asking you, because he's probably asking you something, but it's possible that it hasn't, you haven't quite heard it. And do so in company with other wise, godly people. Spend time in scripture. Talk to somebody who you know loves Jesus and has been following him for a while, and bounce your ideas off them. Pray yourself and with them. And watch how God affirms his call. And then, like Mary, celebrate it. Shalom, favored ones. The Lord is with you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that when you call us to yourself, you also call us to your kingdom work. We ask that you will speak to each one of us clearly in the way that you have... Um, discerned, we can hear from you. We all hear differently. <laughs> and we ask that you will build your church in this place, that the gates of hell will not stand against it, and that we will be a haven of peace to all who come through these doors. For Jesus' glory, in his name, amen. <laughs>